Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So welcome to Dive Matthew, where we're going to be doing 28 chapters of Matthew in 28 days. For the first study, you're going to want to download our dive guide at www.divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. Dive studies are our version of inductive Bible study. This particular study of Matthew was the first one we did back in 2019. I hosted that dive guide in a different format on a different website at the time, but now if you want to join in and see how to do a dive study before committing to join us live, you'll want to go ahead and go to divecollective.org to download and get started. We're going to go ahead and read through Matthew chapter 24. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read the chapter, you can go ahead and do that now. You'll want to join back in at approximately 6 minutes and 10 seconds. As Jesus left and was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. He replied to them, Do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus replied to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house, and a man in the field must not go back to get his coat. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Pray that your escape may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for at that time there will be great distress, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now, and never will again. Unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved. But those days will be cut short because of the elect. If anyone tells you then, see, here's the Messiah, or over here, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you in advance. So if they tell you, see, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or see, he's in the storerooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
Wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, except the Father alone. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding grain with a hand mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master has put in charge of his household, to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, My master is delayed, and starts to beat his fellow servants, and eats and drinks with drunkards, that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> bite my tongue for this one. <laughs> so Annika comes to this chapter with a lot of baggage. <laughs> it's true, it's true. You probably won't hear much from me on this one. Maybe I'll play her song for you. <laughs> Maybe I would. I should probably insert that here. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't wish that on anyone. Um, okay. Some observations. I'm going to, I'm not going to stick very close to my book here. I'm because there's some observations that I made as we were reading that I feel like will probably be great. I might be talking to myself this you chapter. You might be. I might keep. <laughs> my thoughts in my head mostly because the thoughts in my head are mostly questions yeah this is because this if you just look at this chapter mm -hmm. then what I think I believe about the end times is probably ridiculous mm -hmm. you know what I mean like yeah this is what trips you up it's what makes you go but you know yeah. what I was thinking as I was reading it, as mm -hmm. I'm, like, getting tripped up in my head about who decides when Jesus is talking in hyperbole or not? You know what I mean? Like, mm. there's sometimes he says, here's a parable, let me tell you a parable. Mm -hmm. But then in this, he says, here's a lesson from the fig tree, but it doesn't call it a parable. It's just a lesson from the fig tree. So, like, why do we look at this 
and say, oh, this is literal. Like, all of this exactly is going to happen the way Jesus is saying it when he hardly ever speaks literally. Well, okay. So here's, here, let me see if I can find my observations. We might be cutting a ton out because there might be a lot of pausing. But so that parable of the fig tree, I think, is... All right, so we have Jesus kind of giving us a list of things that we should expect to see in the end times, mm-hmm. signs that the end is coming. Mm-hmm. I think everybody, not I think, every believer, I don't know any believer who doesn't believe that there is a final kingdom to come where Jesus will reign on earth king forever. Jesus, yes. God the Father, whoever. There will be a second coming in which... Jesus, God, will be the king of the earth, and there will be nobody competing for power. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of interpretations in between, in between there, or right. how that's going to look, whether the rapture has occurred, or, wh- or whether the rapture is going to occur, or whether it all occurs at once, whether there's just a lot of different pers- mm-hmm. um, interpretations of what that is going to look like. I am not even going to pretend like I have any of those answers. <laughs> I have not even, this is where, this is kind of fun because what I hope might have come from answering the questions that Molly had in her life or in many other people's lives is there would be sort of this spark or this desire to what, what, tell me more about the Jewish yeah. people and how they fit into the story that God's mm-hmm. been writing from eternity. What does that look like? Why is it important? And how do all of these current Jewish feasts and Passover, there's so much rich road to go down into that. I love that this is your journey right now. Yeah, this right here. Yeah. yeah. So this end time stuff and where what it all means and what the timing is going to look like, that you're really in the middle of studying all of that. I am not. <laughs> I am at a place where I'm kind of like, and this is why I am where I am. And I guess I'll just share that because I see God showing up saying that these are the things that we can expect to see in the end times. And so many of these things we are seeing and have seen. Mm-hmm. It, I love that we can be sure this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We can be sure mm-hmm. that all of the world will have heard the good news mm-hmm. before the end comes. Are we going to know? How could I possibly know when it has officially then right. been spread to all Check. the world? I won't, yeah. I'm not going to know that. Mm-hmm. But earthquakes... Kingdoms rising against kingdom, famines, all of these things are happening and they are happening more frequently. I think that we would be crazy to think that we're not seeing these things happening the way that labor pains happen. They're more severe. They're happening more frequently. I feel like you you have to look at the world and go, the end right. is coming. We're getting closer and closer mm-hmm. and closer to the end. He gives us examples of signs that we can see that tell us of other things. So for instance... You see that he says, wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. I mean, that's such a gory, gloomy picture, Mm -hmm. but that's not the point that he's making. The point is, is that when you see vultures, you know that there's a carcass there. He's saying, when you see these things happening, Mm -hmm. then you're going to know that it's, that it's happening. And And he's talking, that's right after he's talking about false messiahs and false prophets. So Mm -hmm. like when you see a bunch of people gathering around some, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it relates also specifically to that concept of mm-hmm. people claiming to be Jesus. Right. So we're, they will, they will, we will be seeing that to some degree. And mm-hmm. then he talks about the flash of lightning so we can tell that. And from that, that's the, one of the observations that I made as I was studying that was just imagining what does a flash of lightning do and what does it look like? You can't miss a flash mm-hmm. of lightning and it goes from horizon to horizon and it spreads 
so when when Jesus comes, nobody's going to miss it. It's mm-hmm. not going to be we're not going to wonder whether it happened, which I think is part of probably the message that these false prophets are going to have is that they are the Messiah come mm-hmm. or whatever, but we'll know. There's they'll we can be sure that we are not going to miss right. Jesus's return. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And this generation being all of us, right? Like the I mean, maybe. That's a big question. Right. It can't be the disciples, obviously. We're not talking about this. Oh, I mean, you think it might be right? Well, I don't. I don't know. It could be, but that determines how some you interpret of your everything. On, I think Jesus is giving us all of these signs. He's saying you aren't going to, you can't miss it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, these last these last few paragraphs, I think, are the crux of what's important here. Mm-hmm. Like every, all these other things. Whether you believe that they are happening, they have happened, or they will happen, the important part is the following. It doesn't change that he is going to come. And it doesn't change that in the meantime, don't get just complacent. Yeah, just keep watching. Don't, not only just keep, keep watching, but know that like... And working. Yes, no, don't get complacent thinking, oh, he's a long way off because nobody knows. He, he mm-hmm. literally says nobody knows... Doesn't he say that the Son of Man doesn't even know? He does say that, which is, I was going to look at my footnote. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor Nor the the Son, except the Father alone. So that nor the Son is, did you see what it says at the bottom? Mm. Some some other manuscripts don't have that part. That will be an interesting thing to study. Oh man, go down that road. Yeah. Tell us what you came up with. (laughs) Um, that's how I've always been taught it. What? That the son of man doesn't know? Mm-hmm. That nobody knows. Even the son doesn't know when he's going to be sent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now. I think I've, I think I've always heard that too, but that's a hard thing for me to reckon, reconcile with. God and three and one? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus being God and knowing everything? Right. And so when I look and see that other manuscripts omit it, I'm like, oh, okay, well then that makes sense. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just grab that part. <laughs> Well, even if the son does know, I take great comfort in the fact that I'm not supposed to. Right. Which I think is why I always look at you and go, I just don't care. Like, <laughs> which is, and see, it's a, but it's a different. Yeah, it's not. It's a different. It's a fun thing to explore, but it doesn't change my. It doesn't. It's not going to change how I behave. Like I'm going to still behave as though. I have a purpose to fulfill. Right. God's given it to me and I'm going to go on. I right? think it changes it a little bit for me though. Really? It just in the sense that it makes me more excited. I like one option better than the other. And so there's a part of me that like I've told you before, like I want to believe want I want to believe that we're in the millennium now and Jesus you know what I mean? Like that's the part that's the most appealing to me. That's mm-hmm. the perspective that's the most appealing to me. And so there's a part of me that feels like if I could study it and and get to a point where I'm like, oh, yeah, I think this is it. It's it's kind of like mo- not motivating. I don't know if motivating is the right word. It's It like ignites a little bit of passion, I think, in me somehow. 
even the, and it doesn't make sense and maybe it's just because it's something that I'm interested in because in the end you're right it doesn't make a difference it doesn't change the final outcome at all in the end Jesus is king mm-hmm. and so and it doesn't require me to live a different way or do different things or at all it's all mm-hmm. the same but for some reason it's just it almost it makes me think it makes you live a little bit freer yeah mm-hmm. yeah there's not a fear but but like but the way the freedom that it makes me live freer not cavalier right the way that we're supposed to be free that fits like, with all of the characteristics yes. of the way that god yeah. really treats people actual freedom in the gospel is what i feel yeah and part of it is that it just it just fits mm-hmm. with all of the other things i don't even i can't even explain how it is which is one of the reasons why I want to finish the study. The perspective that taught me that this is a story about Jesus and Jesus is in all of this. She's holding her entire Bible. That includes the Old Testament. (laughs) That perspective that believes that, that this is the story of Jesus. Mm -hmm. They believe that we're in the millennium now and that, like that's that, that perspective that I'm wanting to believe that flows along with that. I'm not explaining this well. And I don't even want to use the word dispensational, but I have to. Like that dispensational. I feel perspective like I actually would really like to, just story. in case we decide that this is all valuable. Yeah. To a group of people that have not Ugh. are probably <laughs> not in any place to start studying this. I feel like we should at least give some like anchor to what okay. we're talking about, which you probably can articulate more clearly. I definitely grew up with a dispensational teaching and not even having any idea that that's what yeah that there was any other way to think about it honestly it didn't even it, what do you mean when you say a dispensation oh you're talking about specifically for end times for end times okay yeah so you even know that it applies to something other than end times i think of dispensational is is all end dispensational time. is a whole perspective on interpreting scripture basically it, it, which I don't think I believe sensational informs you in the other things, right? Right. Which is what, it, like we've talked about this before. I think I said this, I think I said this to you. I know I said it to Isaac, but I'm pretty sure we talked about this. I was surprised when we were doing the Daniel study with Beth Moore, because that's uh-huh. what launched me into all of this. Uh huh. I mean, it's been something that I've wondered about. Yes. It's been in my mind for a long time. But when we studied Daniel, I was like, okay. It's time. I've got to take this all the way. And I remember saying that, knowing that you agreed with Beth Moore's perspective, which is a dispensational, mm-hmm. premillennial, and also knowing how you look at the rest of scripture, uh-huh. just because of all the conversations we had, I was like, those Doesn't don't seem fit. to fit. Right. But, but I don't know that like, because what I, I grew up learning about only only even learning about end times in terms of the dispensational the way that the dispensationalists teach it mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. not i but again i didn't grow up with any theological framework right or knowing that i was being taught under a theological right. framework right and so it would make sense that i would adopt and keep what i had been taught as a kid and then mm-hmm. as i'm learning about jesus after i'm as I like dedicated my life to the Lord, it became a like full on, I'm all in Christian. And then I began to learn about God and his character and study him directly from the Bible. There are things that I've 
grown to believe are definitely true, but I've never actually gone then and looked at what does that mean? What does that mean about end time events? Because when I hear you talk, even, even just as you were just talking now, I thought to myself, I get that like that. I get that that's that, that idea that the tribulation has already come. We are in this millennium generate like that all does fit sort of like it, it resonates with me that there is not supposed to be a fear for his mm-hmm. believers about the wrath of God to come, mm-hmm. which I think is the difference between dispensationalism and amillennialism, which is what you would, which is what you are right. thinking that you may align with right? or that is where you may land, which is the idea that dispensationalists believe that we will have they can really break down the seven years of tribulation right. and some believe right. that they do, They even break that up differently. Some people break the seven years up differently. Yeah. And there are, you can be an, um, a millennialist? millennialist and still see some form of tribulation. I think it's also confusing. It's all, they're like kind of main schools of thought. And then those are all are, there are tiny, small mm-hmm. ones divided. I mean, you can interpret it different ways. But I think right. one of the things, one of the reasons it matters to me, we've talked before, you and I have, about how I tend to come at Scripture with my brain mm-hmm. and you come at it with your heart, mm-hmm. which is, like, that's something I've learned from you is that it's not just about my head. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's obviously we know that that God wants to get to our hearts. Mm-hmm. I just enjoy I enjoy the head stuff. Mm -hmm. Isaac and I were talking about podcasting the other day. We were FaceTiming. He's been gone. I was just telling him about how it's been going. And I was like, I actually said out loud, the application part, I could skip over the application (laughs) part every time. (laughs) And that's terrible. That's not a good thing because that's where, like, God's trying to actually change us, you Mm. know? I just like the, I just like thinking about it and seeing the story. and. Mm It's hard not to apply, though, when you see the story, especially. But, but I don't... And when you know your God. But this is what I was going to try to say. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons that this end time stuff matters to me is because... Okay, when we talk about hermeneutics, hermeneutics is how you interpret scripture. Mm-hmm. And there are different hermeneutical perspectives. There are different methods to looking at the Bible and figuring out what it means. Mm-hmm. If you have a dispensational perspective on the end times, then by default, you should have a dispensational perspective on all of scripture because that's how you're interpreting Mm -hmm. the Bible and applying it and figuring out what it's saying. I don't have a dispensational perspective when I interpret the rest of the Bible. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, and I don't think you do either, honestly. Mm And so that's why it matters to me. Like I want, I want to look at this Matthew chapter 24 and say, okay, if, if I, how do I interpret this with the hermeneutic that I hold to? Right. And so that's why I feel like it matters to me because I want, I want to be able to do justice to God's word. Yes. This evenly across the board. Like mm-hmm. if I'm reading Genesis and I'm interpreting it with, not that you interpret Genesis the same way as you ter- interpret Matthew. They're different genres. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. But like when I... When I use this overarching hermeneutic to to figure out what God's saying to me, 
in Genesis or Numbers or Deuteronomy, the yes. law or Psalms, mm-hmm. I want to use that same overarching perspective when I'm interpreting Matthew mm-hmm. 24 or Daniel's prophecies or mm-hmm. Revelation. And so I guess in some ways my study of eschatology, the end times, is almost just as much a study of what my hermeneutic is. That's why I think that's why it matters to me. I feel like it will um, help me interpret the rest of scripture as I'm reading it. It'll help me understand it. I'm going to go out on a limb and think, I think that it's more than that too. I think that you say that application isn't important to you, but I think that all of this new hermeneutic that you're exploring, that's so different than the one that you grew up with. Yes. I know where you're going. Yeah. It totally, yeah. it, the, the way that it applies is yes. that you have this new wide open eyes for yes. God's love for you that abounds more than you ever knew before. And so that is the application that you take to all of scripture now. It's it's not that you're not taking little tiny applications here and there and applying them to your life. It's that you are, every time you look at scripture, you're looking at it from this new hermeneutic that says, look how much he loves me. Yeah. Again and again and again. And I think if I had grown up under, in a more legalistic background, I think that I would have that same just enjoyment of, of reading mm-hmm. scripture with these new eyes that yes. say, and that's true. That's so what it is to him. Yeah. Right. That's what it is. Because when I look at scripture as a story of Jesus, mm-hmm. that's what it's doing. It's mm-hmm. talking. All of scripture is talking about God's love for us in the gospel. Yes. That's what it's doing mm-hmm. rather than breaking it up into little chunks and say, this chunk is about this and this chunk is mm-hmm. about this and this chunk is about this. So you're right. When, and when I say application doesn't matter. I know what you mean. Right. I know in my brain mm-hmm. that application is where it's at. I mean, really, God wants his word to change our lives. Yeah. You know what, though? I was just talking to um, my mom about this yesterday. She said that she was going back and reading all, re- writing down all of the applications so that they would always be in front of her so that she could always be thinking of them. And I, like, I heard that and like, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so <laughs> terrible to me. Which I know that like, I'm not, there is nothing wrong with that. If, right. Like that's what you're, if that's where, what you're excited about oh, and absolutely. that's what has you yeah. going and that's where you want, you want to hang out there. Absolutely. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. That's what that talks about. Whereas I do the applications and I do love the applications because I'm looking at what does that say about God's love for me? Because mm-hmm. every time I come to scripture, I'm still learning new things about how God right. loves me or the way that God loves me. But a lot of times he's reopening my eyes to ways that I've already known before. And mm-hmm. and I think that's with the application part. I don't spend a whole lot of time there either because it probably has a lot to do with my personality and how God kind of made me, but I, I just sort of love resting in this Holy Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit will remind me mm-hmm. at the right time mm-hmm. for what application I've right, already learned in the said, past. Right. You've learned it. You've got, you know, you know, yes, God's word. And so mm-hmm. he can use that word that he's taught you to apply mm-hmm. whenever he chooses to do so. Right. Yeah. And so the fact that you don't enjoy application at all, that I do enjoy touching on application, but I don't spend a ton of time thinking about them. And the fact that there are some people that do write them down. I think there's a couple people in our study who really spend a lot of time thinking about Mm -hmm. application and going and doing all the things that they've been taught and implementing them. And I'm sure that I'll have seasons that Mm -hmm. I go through that are like that too. I'm just not in that one right now. So yeah, we have touched on a lot, but I would say that the point of all of this is it does not matter how you believe it's going to happen or what 
time you believe it's going to happen nearly as much as it matters that we remain faithful Mm -hmm. to Christ until that day comes. Mm -hmm. That day is coming. And if the angels don't even know Mm -hmm. who are in heaven staring at the face of God, we surely are not going to know. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes back to what we were just talking about in the last. Yeah. It goes back to what we were just talking about yesterday on day 23. That, That idea that we should never be Pharisees. Like we think, that we could possibly have all of the answers and never be open to the possibility that there are just some things that we may never know Mm -hmm. and we might not know. And that is okay Mm -hmm. because really all that matters is that right now, today, the day that God has given me, I am working and living and Mm -hmm. live working for him, living for him and being loved by him Mm -hmm. today. Yeah. And then tomorrow again. Yeah. Until he comes. Amen. (laughs) I think too, Especially after reading Matthew 24, sometimes Christ's coming can almost sound doomsday-ish or negative or scary. And that is not what it's supposed to be. Like this, when we see him say, I am coming, Mm -hmm. that's not a threat. That is a promise. Right. That it is a, it is going to be a fearful day for those who don't know him. Yes. I guess I'm, but that is not for us. That's right. When you come to the word as a believer. Yeah. This is why, you know, when we opened this, I'm not worried about this chapter at all because I know that everything that we have read up until this chapter is all about his love for us Mm -hmm. and his enduring faithfulness Mm -hmm. and the way that he's relentlessly merciful toward his people, right? So you can't read all that we've read and learn all that we've read up until today and then up open to chapter 23 and been like, all right, here it is, guys. Yeah, look out. This is this is where it all right. like this is where it all gets scary. Yeah, that's not how that works. No. So this is yeah, it's the last chapter in his rescue plan. Yes. Then it's done. We're rescued, and then we get to enjoy the rescue basically yes. forever. And so I think it's a good reminder for me that when he says I'm coming back again, that is something for me to look forward to. And even when he says when he's talking about being faithful. It's a faithfulness because of all of this love that we've learned about. Like it's, we are faithful to him because he's faithful to us. Right. And so I just need to remind myself that it's something to look forward to, not to. Yeah. Ultimately the point that I want to end on is that this is not a threat. Mm -hmm. It's not a threat. It's a promise Mm -hmm. that he is coming. And for those who are faithful, it will be a beautiful, beautiful day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of Inductive Bible Study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.